The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's up, everybody? Eric France and Andre Salveson. You know, we just you just can't encourage him, Ajay. I know. No. <laughs> you just you no. can't encourage him. Don't, don't you dare. Did not <laughs> did not do so. Did not do, I, I uh, offered uh uh I'm trying to up our viewership for our uh, our, our show. Viewership. Oh, yeah. people are trying to get pe- more people to stare at the radio. Uh yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So I uh Actually, I actually went to somebody and offered him four quarters. They'd listen to our show on the stream. Four quarters. Yep. You're high roller. Yes. Hey, big things uh, here on the show today. Gary Anderson held a press conference on Saturday. You know, Utah State football. They did a their first scrimmage in a long time. <laughs> Really, this is their first organized scrimmage, like playing against each other since probably the the last practice they had last year. Yeah, for the bowl game. <laughs> yeah, and there, uh, you'll hear from Gary Anderson later on. Uh, he hopes to have another scrimmage or at least a couple more scrimmages. The problem is, Eric, is that we are now currently three weeks away from Boise State, and the week of Boise State, they're gonna be prepping for Boise State. So you're really down to about two full weeks of practice, and then you're. That that week of you're getting ready to head to Idaho and take them the defending champs. Yeah, because really they didn't have very many practices in in the spring before this whole thing shut down. So really, uh, Friday was their first real head to head to see what they have on their roster since when was the bowl? J- uh, uh, December twenty first, mid December. December twenty first, down in Texas. That was a long trip. Oh man, yeah. that was a bad night too. So we're going to hear from Gary Anderson. His his uh, as we feel it's important to hear things in their entirety, so you have context. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know, an important theme. We learned the past from, seven days. Well, I didn't say, I won't say we learned from a publication, but we knew well before another publication that yes, context does matter. When you're listening to the coach, and you shouldn't just go out there and, hey, here's a small bit I found, listen, and then just absolutely eat it alive. No. No. We, uh, we're a little bit better than that. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll play it's an entirety. It is about 20 minutes long, but it's really, Eric, it's full of great stuff. He talks about the scrimmage, what he saw in the scrimmage, who stood out, uh, you know, uh, personnel of guys. Um, obviously, the front seven, I believe you mentioned, is, is somewhat of a concern. He talks about that front seven. He talks about the linebackers. Uh, he talks about what he's seen out of the quarterback so far, uh, what the scrimmage looked like, and how many, and just all sorts of good stuff. Who's available and who's not. Yep. And who is moving on from football. And uh, yeah, there's there's about four four guys, I believe, are, are moving on from football. So there's a ton of, a ton of good stuff in the audio. And, I, and you're right. Context is everything. And we are smart enough to realize that. You've been in the business for as long as you have are smart enough to realize that. And so we'll play the entirety, and it, it's really good. Uh, we're also going to cover what happened over the past weekend with high school football, college football, the NFL, the NBA, what's going on right now with Major League Baseball playoffs. That's all ahead here on the show. Coming up next hour at 5.15, make sure you're ready. We're going to be do, calling out for the bread and butter play of the game from the Skyview Bobcats 
uh, performance against the Logan Grizzlies. So what was the Skyview bread and butter play? Remember, there were these guys are calling it for both Logan and Skyview, and they both have that sponsorship. So we have to remember, what was the Skyview bread and butter play of the game, courtesy of Old Grist Mill? So stay tuned for that coming up at 5.15. And at 5.30, conversation that we're looking forward to having and uh, been looking forward to this for some time, um, a conversation with John Hartwell, the athletic director at Utah State University. The schedule is out, but do we know if fans can attend? What does basketball look like? What are these practices, and how is the current state of Utah State athletics in the midst of an ongoing pandemic? So a lot of different things that we'll be discussing with John Hartwell a little bit later on. That's coming up at about 5.30 here on the Full Court Press. So big show uh, lined up. And, and Ajay, I think let's let's first start off with the NBA. Uh, last night, it was a tremendous performance by Jimmy Butler, uh, another great performance by bench players and role players for the Heat, uh, continuing to you know doing well despite not having two of their big starters available. Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic not available, but uh, Jimmy Butler just could not be stopped, and I loved it. I can't say that I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. I don't dislike him. I just have never really, you know, paid that close attention to really follow Jimmy Butler. But I, I like Jay Crowder, and so I've been leaning more towards the Heat in this series. And I I really enjoyed watching how they played. And uh, just in addition to how well they were playing and what uh, Jimmy Butler was doing, just how much of a whiner LeBron James was in that second half. A couple of traveling calls, a defensive foul that went against him, and he was acting like the world was coming undone. Like, how in the world could these things be called against LeBron James? And by the way, they were the correct call, too. Yeah, absolutely I want to make that very clear. Calls. They were the correct call. There is no way around it. And the defensive foul is a defensive foul. In fact, it's, it, it wasn't even that like, hellacious of a call. I don't know what he's whining about. I love what Piranha is. He tweeted in to both of us, if, I remember, if I'm not mistaken, Eric. Um, he said about the game, he says, tonight's show is exactly why LeBron is not the GOAT. Full-strength full strength Lakers team loses to Jimmy Butler without Bam and Drogic. LeBaby is such a poor sport, he leaves the court before the game is over. Bench players have to take off warm-ups to step on the court to end the game. That also bugged me a lot. Oh, uh, that was a horrible Where one. are you going, Mr. James? Like, where are you going? Are you, are you Isaiah Thomas? You're just going to leave the court before the game ends? Look, I understand frustration when you lose a game, oh, but you no. don't act like a, that. Yeah, look, frustration, sure. Such a baby. Michael Jordan never left the court when he lost a game. Uh, Kobe Bryant never left the court when he lost a game. John Stockton never left the court when he lost a game. Brian Scalabrini never left the court when he <laughs> lost the game. What the fetch, man? Where are you going? And then you have to, like, like Piranha said, you make someone else take off their warm-up, have to go step on the court for the final seconds so you can go, I mean, do your little pout. Yeah. That was that was just absolutely atrocious. And Vogel, like, didn't care. He's like, just, get on, so just somebody get on the court. Yeah. I don't care. Just somebody get on the court. Yeah, but I think a bench but coach... But 10 seconds to go, LeBron's like walking out of the court yeah. and he's headed to the, the tunnel. There was, a, I think an assistant went to go tell Mike LeBron, get on the court. Like, we're not done yet. You got to get on. And he didn't listen to him. Uh, that's that's who LeBron is. Look, when you're... 
Yeah. When the you're baby, I when you're think yeah, when you see LeBron, that's that's kind of where he is and and how he is. Uh, the piranhas is one hundred and fifty percent right. It was a really poor showing on his part, but man, uh, like you said, Jimmy Butler, just phenomenal. I don't know that it that's sustainable. Uh, it's not Miami's game. And, no, but dude, but Jimmy Butler was capable. Of it doing was that. amazing to watch. Fourteen to 20, 12 of fourteen from the line. 40 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds, and two steals. Oh, and two blocks. That 14 free throw attempts is amazing. Yeah. Because he never, against the Lakers, you're never getting that. Uh, he was forcing the issue. Uh, he was he, he was smart to recognize opportunities to drive to the basket and challenge guys and to, to get free points while taking a, a, a breather. Uh, Kelly Olenek also was great off the bench. He's had two games, so he's been great for Miami. So, <laughs> what I don't understand is why Miles Leonard hasn't played more until just last night. Yeah, what happened there? I don't know. I was so weird. But he was effective when he played. But he only played 13 minutes. Has he got an injury? Uh, that I never. That was never clear to me. Yeah. Hey, but going back to Jimmy Butler. I'm pretty sure you saw this or heard about it, but he became the first player to outscore, out-rebound, and out-assist LeBron James in a finals game. Uh, That includes LeBron's teammates. And that, by the way, that's ever. In in all James NBA finals, no one's ever outscored, out-rebounded, and out-assisted LeBron James in a finals game. Until now. Well, he did as much point-wise as LeBron and Anthony combined. Mm-hmm. He did as much assist-wise as LeBron and Anthony combined and almost did as much as those two guys combined for their rebounds. Uh, Anthony Davis uh, got in some foul trouble, and then he wilted, totally wilted in the second half. He shied away from any opportunity. Uh, Markeith Morris, Kyle Kuzma have had more shot attempts than Anthony Davis. You know that's not going to continue, but... It was a surprise, a big surprise. Do you know who I think is a really dumb basketball player? Danny Green. I, I don't know why people are such a fan of Danny Green. I don't know why. I, I wonder I, if, I, he can, if he holds his starting spot. Yeah. Well, I, he, like, the Heat figured out he couldn't make a bucket yesterday, so they're like, you know what, screw it. We're going to look at other people and, and worry about them. We're not going to worry about you. If you hit three in a row, whoopity-daw. It's about dang time. But they just, I mean, they left Danny Green wide open, and Danny Green just continued to just make really bad decisions, and he was really bad on defense. Um, that was like MP Jr.-esque, what he did yesterday, which was really impressive. Uh, Morris had, he was putting up a couple of really bad three-point shots. Oh, yeah. And he was missing them, like total air balls or hitting the side of the, the backboard, just ugly shots. And then he hits one. And he acts like he's the smoothest guy out there. Like, yeah, take that, guys. Like, what? The? And then he continued to hit a few more after that. And he kept acting like, I'm the best shooter out here. That was driving me nuts. Do you remember in the 2016, it might have been 17 NBA Finals. I think it was game four. And Draymond Green was like, oh, a six from deep. And then he hits his first three midway through the third when the Warriors were up 20. And he acts like he just hit the game winner. <laughs> and he was one of seven from deep, man. <laughs> just, that's what it kind of reminded me. And you do another one. Like Tyler Hero wasn't that great yesterday. Would you have his line? 
Uh, he wasn't bad. 17 he, points, one steal, two assists, three rebounds. What did he shoot? Uh, well, he was 6 of 18. Yeah. Not great. So he hits one three, and then he has that stupid snarl look or whatever. It's like trending all over Twitter right now. They really tried to blanket him and not give him well, any space Well, he's just not shoot. being able to hide again. You know, it's like game one and game. They're just not letting him hide in the little corner or hide behind someone off a screen and then pop out to flash. It's it's just not there. So then, <laughs> I mean, they're covering him really well. I think they're doing a phenomenal job on Tyler. I've been Yeah, really but impressed. he had some great drives to the hoop yeah. too late. That's, that's one thing is that everything he does is in motion, in one motion, right? You know, dribbling off to the side, going to the hoop, and having to be creative if he needs to, whether it's up and under or going to the right using the left. Just something like that. He's been, it's always one motion. It's always fluid, which has been really cool to see. Um, yeah, it's another guy. I mean, like you said, 17 points, but six of whatever it was to shoot isn't that great. So the question is, they, they got game three, down 2-1. Does Drogic and Bam Bam come back? And if they do, like, how much of an impact do they actually have? I think Bam Adebayo is probably more likely to return than Goran Dragic. Yeah. Uh, whether they either one of those guys will be available for game four, which would be, what, tomorrow night? They're on an every-other-day schedule, right? Um, I, I think that would be tough. Who's more imperative? Bam Adebayo. As I think the Lakers are going to go back to, let's use their size to our advantage. Anthony Davis in the low post. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I my, my guess would be that Bam Adebayo makes a return for game four, but he may be limited in his minutes. So they're going to need more from Kelly Olenek and Miles Leonard and, and uh, these other guys that have you know, come off the bench to try to save their uh, to save this series for Miami. I also kind of that zone that Miami was playing was just not working. I throw that out of the playbook entirely now, unless you have some kind of a different way to show that zone without. And I, this is dumb to say without LeBron reading it, but he's been in the league so far or so long, he he sees everything. If you got to get rid of that zone defense. You're just getting torched by it. Unless they're going to have a really off night like some of those guys did yesterday. It's just going to eat you alive. you got to play straight up man, and maybe Bam Bam can help you do that when he comes back. You can play straight up man. You can, you know, you don't have to worry about just picking up anybody's slack. Um, I don't know that Miami can play straight up man with Los Angeles. Yeah, but the zone's killing them too, right? I mean, and, and the – but uh, – yeah, I guess, I mean, the man on Davis and man on LeBron's tough, but everybody else would be all right, wouldn't you? Kuzma, Green, Rondo. I know Drogic's not back, but who started point guard yesterday for the Heat? Uh, basically, the point guard was... I know Jimmy played a... Jimmy Jimmy Butler did a lot of the... Yeah, I'd say 90% of the minutes was him. He a lot of the offense. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, and I'm pretty sure you saw this stat too, but they've shot, what, 50, 40, 90, two games in a row. Like game two, they shot 51%, 40% from deep, 
91% from the line. Game three, they shot 50% from deep or 50% from the field, 40% from the deep, and 90% from the line. You're talking about Miami? Yeah. They shot 35% from three. But they were over 50% field goals and over 90% free throws. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, you shoot that well and you still lose a game, like game two, that's, man, that's hard to swallow. And I know they got game three. So we've talked about the ability to build it to sustain the shooting, and I think they can. You got to find a way to stop this Lakers team, though. Yeah, game two, they were, sorry, they, in game two, they were 50, 40, 90. And then game three, they were? They were f- over 50 and about 35, 35 and then 90, plus 90 plus, or 91. Huh. That's that's not bad, man. Even the 35 is not horrible. Just got to be able to sustain it again, and you got to find a way to get stops, and they were able to do that yesterday. But I felt like they got away with Lakers missing some really good looks. LeBron had two. Anthony Davis had a good look from the corner. He missed it. Danny Green had several and couldn't hit. Um, Kuzma had a couple good looks. So, I mean, they're not going to miss him every time. No. You know, and I would anticipate Anthony Davis would come out with much more. Yeah, he's got to be more uh, aggressive. There's no, there's more, no reason more, why he shouldn't be. Yeah, being much more deliberate and more active. But well, maybe they, the, the, the Miami's figured something out with Miles Leonard. Get him into foul trouble and just go at him. I mean, he's, he's somebody they haven't really relied on at all in these playoffs. And if you can use him to get Anthony Davis in foul trouble, then he's worth it. Let alone anything else that he might do on the court. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, we'll look at what happened in college football uh, over this past weekend. Uh, Mountain West School played. Air Force, their first game of the season. How'd they do? Uh, and uh, does it is it an early indicator of how they might look for this upcoming season or another case of a team facing a team who just didn't have their heart in it? Uh, and uh, any upsets, any surprises, uh, which would also lead to our pick six. See how well we did in our pick six for this past weekend. It's coming up next on the Full Court Press. Saturday on Compass Media Network's coverage of NCAA football, it's the Red River Showdown as Texas battles Oklahoma. Hi, I'm Drew Bonadelli. Join Kevin Ray, Chad Brown, and me for all the action as Spencer Rattler and the Sooners look to right the ship against Sam Ellinger and the Longhorns. Texas, Oklahoma from the Cotton Bowl. If it's NCAA football, it's right here. Saturday, beginning at 9.30 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Coldwater Stone and Tremont and is under new ownership and is partnered with Castellite and Logan. With over 50 years of combined experience, they'll help you find the most stunning products for your home. Coldwater takes some of the most beautiful resources Earth has to offer, then shapes and blends them to help create your dream home. Natural stone at manufactured stone prices. Stop in at the Tremont facility or see samples at Castellite and Logan. Let us help you create your custom masterpiece. More information at coldwaterstone.com. Coldwater Stone, the natural choice for all of your stone needs. Uh, you've been on the road for hours, covered 527 miles, listened to three podcasts, yeah. had two calls with your mom and one with your sister, and you're really hungry. And look at that. There's a McDonald's one mile up ahead meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. 
Enjoy any size premium roast coffee or soft drink for only a dollar or get any size iced coffee for just $1.50. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. This is Ryan at My Mattress. I had a friend text me the other day saying how happy he is that he bought a new mattress last month. He, like the rest of us, are spending a lot more time at home. You may even be listening to this radio ad on your mattress at home, even if it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No judgment here. We're practicing all safe guidelines and we're open all day, every day but Sunday. The deals have never been better. More than ever, isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? Only at My Mattress by the South Walmart. Sometimes we just need the taste of warm, fresh baked bread made the old-fashioned way, you know, just like Grandma used to make it. Old Grist Mill in South Logan, Logan, and Smithfield makes every meal taste better with the right bread and other baked goods. Every day, bakers mix simple ingredients to produce baked bread and scones, bagels, muffins, and other amazing products. Drop by the South Logan, Logan, and now Smithfield locations for fresh bread and that famous lunch special. Takeout, curbside pickup, and delivery are available gristmill here for you. It's cold outside, but you can keep warm inside with a quality-built, super-efficient York furnace. Count on a furnace from York because it's backed by the strongest warranties available. It's just another way we install confidence. Call Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, your local York dealer, at 752-7272. Online at advancedheating-ac.com. York. Install confidence. We're not comfortable until you are. Advanced heating and air. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and AJ Salveson here on The Fan. Uh, by the way, if you want to tune in, you can do it on multiple different uh, platforms and locations. Here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Stream us online at 1069thefan.com. And more news about that, another option coming very, very soon. How soon? I'm very excited about this. Uh, very soon. That's all I can say. Uh <laughs> Also, if you want to weigh in on the program, we'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, feel free to text us at 435-339-0321. Again, that's 435-339-0321 if you want to text into the program. Coming up a little bit later on here on the show, around 430, we will hear Gary Anderson in his entirety when he met with the media on Saturday to recap his scrimmage, his team's scrimmage on Friday. Coming up at 530, We'll talk to Utah State Athletics Director John Hartwell uh, about how things are going within Utah State Athletics. And at 5.15, we'll be giving away our bread and butter play of the game from the Skyview football game on Friday. So stay tuned for that. If you remember what it was, call in at the designated time. And if you get it right, you could get four loaves of bread courtesy of the old grist mill. So, Ajay, it was an interesting weekend of college football that's saying something. Uh, we had several um, interesting upsets, uh, quite a few, actually. And some were of some pretty big names, pretty big opponents that got upset, notably TCU and Texas. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Texas goes from surviving. I mean, and really, they've had this coming for a while, right? I mean, they survive a 15-point deficit with about three minutes left versus the Red Raiders, come back and win that game. <laughs> You don't show up to play, you're going to get bit. 
and uh, the snake got him there. And Gary Patterson, give credit to his squad and the uh, the uh, purple horn frogs. And boy, TCU's really good at doing that with competing with the very best teams. It doesn't matter who it is. Gary continues to find a way to a beat them or to at least hang with them and make them sweat for it. Yeah, they beat the Texas 33-31. to It was a close game. It was back and forth. It looked like TCU was in control, and then Texas came back, and then TCU clinches it at the end. Tulsa upsetting Central Florida 34-26. to Yeah, a lot of people are – look, Central Florida, Central Florida used to be the Cinderella, the team that everybody root for. And after three years, they're like, oh, we're sick of you. Let's go find somebody else. <laughs> so Tulsa beating UCF was a thrill for the country. The question is, Eric, who steps up? Who steps up to be that team? Because not only did they lose, but Cincinnati lost, right? No, Cincinnati beat South Florida. Or Memphis. Memphis lost. 30-27. Uh, to 27. So yeah, there's a there's an opening from a group of five team. Yep, Cincinnati, or, of course, or, is still that team, uh, front runner. But or does that leave the door open for a BYU? Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, it could. Uh, but here's the key: Cincinnati still got to play Memphis, SMU, and Central Florida, I believe. While BYU still got to play at Boise State and against San Diego State. And those are their only good teams left. Yeah. And other, then it's a bunch of powder puffs. But if they, Eric, but if they get those two teams, then they're in the college football playoff, and obviously one of the best teams in the country no. heads to the national championship. Oh, come on now, they're not going there. Uh, you, to ask BYU fans; they tell you differently. <laughs> uh, but they they could be positioning themselves for a potential New Year's bowl game. Hey, how about uh, sorry, how about Georgia dominating Auburn? Wow, did oh, not see that. My gosh, just. I mean, controlled every bit of that football game from the outset. And Auburn really just never got into rhythm offensively. Give credit, Georgia was playing physical defense the whole entire night. Just chewed Auburn and spit them out. I was really, really impressed with the, with Georgia. Arkansas upsetting Mississippi State 21-14. to How do you go from scoring 44 points to like 14? <laughs> Your quarterback goes from throwing it like... Over 600 yards. Yeah. Then he barely gets over three. And Mike the Leach is like, oh, you know, it's, uh, let's, uh, let's do something else here. Uh, you know, I was playing with my cat the other day, and I found another way to, you know, screw it up for everybody. Uh, Arkansas's first SEC win since 2017. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Good for them. Iowa State upsetting Oklahoma 37 oh, to 30. Dude, Oklahoma always has those, you know, one or two games every year where they just. They slip on a banana peel and they can't get up. That well, that's was two now so yeah, far this back year. Back to back weeks. Hey, by the way, credit to AJ Knight for this because he tweeted it out. Stat that blew your right fingernail off. First time that Alabama, or excuse me, that Texas and Oklahoma have lost to unranked opponents two weeks in a row. Okay, so for okay, lost to unranked opponents in the same week since 1999. Lost to back-to-back weeks to unranked opponents in those two same weeks. I can't find a date. Like, I can't find the last time they lost in back-to-back weeks to unranked opponents. Both in the same. I just, I can't find it. 
That might be the first time ever. They, they man, those guys suck. <laughs> like BYU would beat them. Uh, yes, they would. Uh, BYU look, B- B- is a is, really this good BYU football team's team. Team's looking pretty good. They are a really good. And Zach Wilson's as uh, much as it pains us to say it. It does, but you know what, Zach? I've honestly, this sounds crappy to say, I've enjoyed watching Zach Wilson throw that football around. Boy, he's. I mean, he just looks in total and complete control. Throwing motion footwork is really, really good. I've enjoyed that. Well, they surely racked up a ton of points for the last couple of games that they played. Uh, last upset of the day, SMU beating Memphis. You already kind of mentioned that. 30-27. Uh, to 27, uh, well, Sorry, what I didn't mention. This is the one I actually wanted to mention. NC State over Pittsburgh. Uh, and in the final minute, uh, they uh, throw the, the touchdown to, to uh, put NC State on top in the final minute to beat Pittsburgh 30-29. to 29. Wow. Hey, one more, more quick game. Did you see uh, the former Aggie out there playing for Red Raiders? Dilling? Henry Columby out there? No. Columby came in there for uh, the starter and uh, had himself a day. 244 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, was really, really good. Unfortunately, the Red Raiders lost to Kansas State 31-21. That's the bad side of it. Oh, and uh, I mean, honestly, but I thought Henry was really good in control. He might have a starting position over there. I just don't understand why we couldn't keep him. Yeah, I don't like to hear that. Uh, one last college football game to mention. Air Force had a, uh, a game, their first game of the season. They faced Navy. Game was played in Colorado Springs. Uh, did you see the Air Force unis? Loved them. Really cool. Those were so cool. Really cool. Honored the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, the Red uh, Raiders. Uh, no, the, the Redbirds. Is that what they called them? Uh, yeah, Redbirds. I'm, now I'm blanking on that exactly. Uh, I'll look that up. But uh, bottom line is they, they're, they're recognizing the squadron of Air Force pilots in World War II. They were all black pilots. They did a lot of great things in the war. Uh, but uh, Air Force just dominated that game 40-7. to Again, Navy just looked like they weren't interested in playing football. Uh, give credit to Air Force. They've had a lot of time to prepare for this one. They've had time to, to figure out what their roster is going to look like after they had 30-some-odd guys uh, opt out based on the way the schedules were going to work out. Not opt out of playing football forever for Air Force, but the way that the schedules were looking like. They're like, okay, we're going to defer. We're going to use this time for our academics and other things. And then everything changed, so... Air Force is trying to scramble to figure out their roster. They looked pretty good against Navy. So they get the win, 40-7. to seven. Good for them. Yeah, they dominated Navy. Navy just, maybe it was more than just not having practice. <laughs> maybe. All right, we're going to take a step aside here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, we'll hear from Gary Anderson as he shared his thoughts Oh, the about Red Tails. Red thank Tails. You. Bridger Volmer, thank you so much Red for listening. Red Tails. Red Tails. Uh, Read something. Richard Vollmer, thank you. All right. Yes, thank you very much. All right. Uh, on the other side of this timeout, we're going to hear from Gary Anderson reacting to his team's first scrimmage of this fall season as they get ready for the opener on the road at Boise State on October 24th. Stay tuned. It's coming up next. Win a 65-inch 4K flat-screen TV from Lens Audio Video in the Preps Pick'em Contest, presented by The Logo Shop. Sign up to play at 1069thefan.com. Pick the weekly winners of each high school game, and you could win one of 11 weekly prizes and be entered to win the grand prize TV. Go to 1069thefan.com, and you could win. It's 
the Preps Pick'em Contest on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. They're celebrating 30 years at the Logo Shop. They logo everything from pens and water bottles to travel bags and coolers. It's also the season to get your order in for the holidays. The Logo Shop will custom screen print or embroider your logo on shirts, jackets, and other outerwear. You can even browse their inventory and get price quote online at welogostuff.com. The Logo Shop. The Logo Stuff. The Logo Shop. This is Bob Larson with LSS Insurance. You're invited. Come learn how to make an informed decision for your retirement, Medicare, and Social Security benefits. It's never too early to plan for the future. The third Thursday, October 15th at 7 p.m., come to a free seminar at our office by the North Walmart. Come learn about your options the third Thursday, October 15th at 7 p.m. Call 752-9493 to RSVP as seating is limited. Call 752-9493. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. First week of fall camp, it was a, it was a good start. I like where the kids are, a lot of excitement, um, a lot of learning, like we talked about. Uh, Every day is a, an opportunity to continually get better uh, in the weight room, on the field, in the meeting rooms, you know, how we're taking care of ourselves off the field from a nutritional standpoint. And so I think they've handled all those challenges very well. Um, we were able to get into pads as the week went on and, you know, happy with their progress. Uh, lots of work to do. Scrimmage yesterday was the first time these young men have played football for quite a while and lined up and played uh, real football, um, put the ball down and drive it and see what happens on offense and defense and special teams and a great learning um, film that we'll have today. Uh, ended up getting 80 some odd snaps on the day, which was good. Uh, we're looking for around 100, but it ended up being 80, which was just fine. And uh, so we continue to work through camp and um, a good start with a good attitude and uh, you know, lots of work to obviously get done as we continue to progress. No questions, so we're done. Hey, Coach. Uh, I, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but uh, sorry. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, I know your defensive backfield is very experienced. Troy LaFetz Jr. is one guy that stood out to you last year's in fall camp. What have you seen so far in him this year as he looks to take on maybe more responsibility and uh, continues to improve? Well, Troy's done a good job of, you know, switching positions and playing in different packages and scenarios for us at this point. Um, you know, we will move Troy back to more of where he played last year, um, which I think will be, be good for him as a whole. So it'll be him and Shaq back there at the safety position. And then we'll move some kids around at the, uh, our F linebacker position and, and see where that goes. Troy is so valuable um, after a week of evaluation, he's really good there too. Uh, but we want to always work to get the best 11 guys on the field and a slight adjustment, him going back to where he was last year more. He'll still be up there sometimes playing on the edge of the defense, depending on the defensive package. Um, I believe it gives him more of an ability to make plays. Um, 
see more of the field, be around more of the field, and be a little bit more of a leader back there at the safety position. So he's done great. He's progressing. Um, excited about uh, you know his play, and we expect him to be a dominant force back there, and he expects the same. Thanks, Coach. Coach, what does the what's the defense looking like as a whole with uh, the switch to the three four? Um, now Frank Miley and Stacy Collins are running the show. How's the front seven developing um, as a as a unit? Well, that's a great that's a great question, um, and it's a great uh, area for us to continually dissect every day. Quite frankly, it's uh, you know you're only as good as your fronts are, and. Um, we're progressing and we are playing some odd front and we're playing some even front. It's not all just odd. We're bouncing in and back and forth and, and really trying to get a continual feel of our, our players that are there um, and the young men that we have. You know, we've never seen Marcus Moore play live football before um, until this last week and never seen him in a scrimmage until yesterday. And, you know, we know what Justice brings and Holly brings and Sone brings. And, you know, those guys are, are in the packages they're moving through. So the defensive front um, doing a good job um, of adapting to a few different fundamental techniques that we're we're putting at him to get from the odd front to the even front, the inside linebacker position, you know, somewhere where there's a bunch, there's, there's a bunch of competition that inside linebacker position. And it's, it's fun to watch that continually grow. We need to really be too deep there for sure. Um, at that position, like it's always your goal to get as solid or too deep as you possibly can, but it's really important that inside linebacker position this year is our belief to get those four young men in there playing and battling through it. And there's, there's a good fight going on at that position. And then you have to include our, our B linebacker uh, in that defensive line, if you will. And Nick Hanniger, Elijah Shelton are doing a nice job uh, in that uh, at the B position right now of kind of battling it out. And um, so we got a ways to go on the front um, just, you know, it's a week into camp. So the physicality thing and the ability to get in there and, and work to what they do best is the, is where we're headed. You know, is that uh, there's different styles of play you can play on the defensive line, depending on who you are and the type of young men that you have. Uh, and we're work continually working, and Frank's doing a great job working with those kids to build the defense kind of around the front seven, which is always a great starting point. Uh, Coach, um, can you tell us any details about the scrimmage, uh, big plays, who won the days, uh, stuff of that nature? Yeah, again, great question. We just got done watching it, started it. Nine o'clock this morning, 8.30 with the coaches and ground through it. And the kids are in meetings right now, sitting back and watching it. So I would say that the day was, done, the day was won by the defense um, overall. Uh, we did a nice job of taking care of the football on the offensive side of the ball. Didn't have enough explosive plays on the offensive side of the football, which in turn really gave the defense the opportunity to win the day. The offense did a nice job when they had an opportunity to start drives in the red zone of finishing those drives with uh, touchdowns for the most part. That was a, a huge positive. Um, I thought the special teams, we, we did some things. It's a little different than we usually do scrimmage one. Uh, we put as good a people as we could on both sides of the ball. So it wasn't really a, a scout team against the first punt team and so on. It was really good against good. So it was a good kickoff team against a good kickoff return team and a good punt team against a good punt return team, as good as we could build. And that really um, – gave us an idea of personnel, uh, put us ahead of the game on our personnel as far as who's going to have an opportunity to be in there. And it also shows some deficiencies that we had, obviously, in the punt game. It's really good on the punt return team, and we put some heavy pressure on the punter, and we got two punts blocked. And so that's something that we've got to dive into and, and make sure that uh, 
uh, we can fix those. They, they apparently are things that uh, we can fix fairly easy, but when you get a pump blocked, it's not an easy fix. It's a game changer, and it's the best way to lose a football game that one person can really think of. So it was good competition in all three areas. Again, I would say the defense won the day. I thought we tackled well, need more explosive plays again on offense, as, as we've said, um, and some really good evaluation from the special team standpoint, especially with the young players. Coach, can you talk a little bit about um, having to play the defending champion Boise State in, in the first week and how much does that uh, compress the pressure you're probably already feeling in getting ready for in 29 days? Yeah, game uh, game one is always very interesting, as we all know, and even more interesting with the with the COVID year that we're all we're all going through. Um, Playing Boise is is a tremendous challenge. It's uh, you know we all know where they are. We all know where they've sat for many many years, and and they have done a tremendous job of consistently playing football at a very high level in this league, and quite frankly, outside of this league. Um, so it's uh, it's a tremendous challenge. It's something that we look forward to. Um, I'm sure these kids look at that and say, you know, if you want to be the best, not just on our side, but have an opportunity to be the best in this conference, you know, that's going to go through Boise um, each and every year at some point it's going to go through Boise and uh, you know, every team I'm sure feels the exact same way. And I'm sure Boise feels the, the same way as uh, they're uh, a traditionally a very powerful program. Again, not just in our conference, but throughout the country. And it's a great challenge for us. And it's one that our, t- our kids will definitely look forward to. Um, and it's, you know, it's a fun place to go play. I uh, played there a few, t- a few times, obviously it's going to be way different this year, but I think our kids are looking forward to preparing first and then having an opportunity to get on that bus and go up and play uh, against the quality football. Coach, uh, what positional groups of players are, uh, really stood out to you during the first full week of fall camp? Um, stood out. I would say that the defensive backfield has done, really a nice job. And again, has some heavy competition. I like where they are. Um, I like the running backs, you know, from a practice standpoint, I thought that they've done a real good job of, of running hard and being physical and picking up protections, throwing quite a bit at them from the defensive side, as far as some pass under pressure situations. And they've done a nice job of adapting there. Um, those two would kind of jump out at me. You know, the evaluation of the offense and defensive lines has really just started the last few days. And uh, the, we were very run heavy in that scrimmage uh, by design. We we're trying to build a demeanor and an attitude of be able to run the football and be physical and run the football. Um, and that, that evaluation really for the first time took place on multiple snaps, uh, which, which was good to see. So excited to see those offense and defensive linemen continue to grow and develop and fight against each other. But I would, I would single out the DBs and, and the running backs that uh, have done a nice job for us. And I would also say that, you know, the tight ends um, have done a nice job. You know, Carson is the leader of that crew and has done a great job. And Mo's come in and um, is back with us and, and doing a heck of a job back there. So that, that's a good crew of young men as they grow through also. Coach, I know we're still four weeks away from Boise State. When do you start prepping for them, and how much longer do you guys start uh, keep working with on yourselves uh, because of the lack of opportunities being allowed to work with reps and players and such? Yeah, our coaches will start to um, evaluate practices. We'll practice today, and then the coaches will get back in here tomorrow morning and evaluate this practice, and then they'll take a couple hours every single day and start 
uh, breaking down and uh, spending time on Boise. Now, we also did that in the summer, just like everybody else does. And goodness knows we had plenty of time over the last few months to break down uh, opponents or who we thought we were going to play. And Boise was one of those. So we have a little bit of a preliminary, preliminary scouting report that they'll start with that and start building from a player standpoint and practice. We will go through this next week. Um, and continue on taking care of the Aggies uh, most definitely and get ourselves another scrimmage or a couple opportunities to have many scrimmages throughout the weeks, depending on how we decide to do that with the players and to put them in the best spot to get better, to, to get in uh, game shape conditioning wise and also do everything we can to protect them. Um, and that'll go through this week. And then the next week, probably a week from this Wednesday, we'll start to shift gears and spending some time on Boise state Um because they do a lot on offense. Uh, they do a lot on defense and they have really good players. So as soon as we feel comfortable about getting our depths solidified for the most part and are too deep, then we'll begin that process. It will be a little different this year because our roster size is, is not as big as it usually is just, um, just through the way it's gone through is that, you know, we have whatever it may be a hundred kids or whatever it may be. And usually we have 10 or so more kids we're adding a few more from, from high school. The kids have graduated to get out here with us, but we'll spend more time um, as a scout team this year, uh, really servicing each other. Um, and, and that's good. It's good on good kind of servicing each other. And that there's some carryover, enough carryover on our offense and our defense to help us prepare for Boise that way also. Coach, I appreciate uh, some of the insight on the personnel and whatnot. I got a question regarding uh, the offense and some of the new additions to the team, obviously, Jason Shelley and DHC were the headline names, but then um, freshman John Gentry and then transfer Justin McGriff. Um, all these guys have a chance to play a major role in the offense this year. What have you seen from them so far um, this fall and what should we expect from them uh, come October 24th? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to remember all those that I can as I go through there. And <laughs> this one, jump back at me and I'll hit it. So let's start with sure. uh, Jason Shelley. You know, Jason's done a great job of coming in and, and competing, um, being a great teammate. Works very well in the quarterback room, extremely smart. You know, he's uh, he's not doing backflips over the performance of the offense yesterday, nor should he be. Uh, neither quarterback is, quite frankly, and, and Andrew's the same way. So we need to work to get better at, at all positions. And that's not saying the quarterbacks didn't play well overall. It's just offensively, it always goes to the quarterback. Um, and uh, he's done a good job. He's, he's savvy. He's um, handled things well. And he's a great teammate and is excited to be competing uh, for the job that he's competing for. And, and DHC, you know, limited time yesterday with DHC and with Jalen Warren, both in the backfield. Didn't give them the ball a lot yesterday, but gave them enough to get them warmed up. And we really, you know, used them quite extensively throughout the week. Um, so yesterday was a time to look at uh, some of the other backs. But DHC is, is uh, again, an experienced back, knows how to take care of himself, smart, understands, you know, where, where he is, that uh, he's in a, in a – in a stable of what we would expect to be very good running backs um, and uh, is excited about his opportunity to compete and play. Um, John Gentry, you know, got his first opportunity to yesterday to really get in there and, and play and, and showed some good things, some good physical runs. It's kind of still going fast for him as a freshman, which is a hundred percent to be expected. And uh, you know, like what we see, he's got tremendous speed. Again, a young man that comes to work every day. That's a really, to my opinion, that's a credit to his family and his parents and, and his quite in his, in his high school program. Um, those are tough dudes and they play football the right way, the right way there at North shore. And uh, you bring those kids into a college program and they're, they're ready to get uh, rocking and rolling when they, when they come into to the program. So he's, he's in a good spot. Um, Justin McGriff, 
you know, he, he's a guy that you have to look at and say, we need to give him an opportunity in practice and scrimmage to, and scrimmages to make plays. And you have to give him that opportunity prior to games. And that is something that the, he came here to be a, a playmaker. Uh, he's a, a big, giant target. And he's a tremendous, tremendous kid. He works his tail off out there on the football field. And, and we need to make sure that we give him opportunities to make plays. I think he can be uh, a game changer in games. But right now, we have to see him be a game changer in practice and scrimmages to um, – ensure that he can be a game changer in games. So providing opportunities for him um, is a, a big, big, big assignment for our coaches this next two weeks in practice and let him show us what he can do. Uh, who'd I miss? You're four for four. Okay. Got them all. Great answer. <laughs> my best. Uh, coach, just looking at the schedule, every game is probably going to be in cold weather, some likely with some snow. You've got a few mobile quarterbacks and several options at running back. So how confident are you that that might give you an advantage over some of your other teams should you face, you know, really, really inclement weather? Well, that's, you know, we, we have our, our plan to win and our plan to win has been the same for so many years. And at Utah State, I would say for the last 10 years, the, the plan to win has stayed exactly the same. And we did add a, a new um, plan to a new category, I suppose, to our plan to win. And that's play complementary football. And this year, it's really going to rear its head at us. Um, you would think the percentages are that's going to take place with the weather. And that would be being able to physically run the football and, and be able to put ourselves in a position to, um, you know, have, have a, a nice physical presence about us uh, on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, because there may be those games. Now, that doesn't take the fact the way you want to, get the ball to have explosive plays on offense and going to get that ball into those uh, playmakers hands. But uh, I would agree with what you're saying. The chances of, of not so good weather every game is fairly high uh, without a doubt. And our ability to be able to, to run the football with our tight ends, um, our offensive line, our running backs, you know, uh, DT at times, you got to get the ball in that kid's hands. He's special. And and then obviously our, our quarterbacks running the football too needs to be a big part of our run game because they are um, athletic guys and they can make people miss. Coach, the Mountain West um, went with not having divisions this year and just going with the top two teams um, via winning percentage. Is that what you're hoping for? And how does that change your strategy of approaching the season? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that that was the concept that um, – they decided to not go with the, with the, the sides of the divisions. And, um, but it didn't make a difference for us. We're playing the exact same people. And it looked like that to me that it was that way through most of the schedule. So, um, you know, the schedule, it was given to us. That's who we're going to play. Uh, so the fact that it didn't, uh, you know, it didn't affect our scheduling. It didn't really affect our side much from what I can see. Uh, the thing that it, it's just, you worry about is just uh, hopefully everybody can play. Right. And, you know, I've heard that, some schools now possibly shut down right now, not practicing for a little bit, or some haven't even quite started yet, or they're just getting started. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a crapshoot, as we know through this year, to be able to get everybody to play. I just hope it, it works out the right way. But, uh, again, our schedule is who we anticipated it being long ago and, and didn't change. So I suppose that's a positive. Hey, Coach, I was wondering if we can get an update on Ty Shaw's status. Ty Shaw? Yes, sir. Yeah, Ty is was uh, reinstated, and uh, Ty has decided to move forward in life, and he's doing great. Um, you know, last time I talked to him wasn't too long ago. He's uh, he's enjoying life outside of football. 
When's your next scrimmage, Coach? Oh, boy, that's a great question. Uh, we're going to talk about that tonight as the staff. And um, I would think it, looking at next Friday, I would just, if I was guessing right now, I would say it would be Friday. But we will have some mini scrimmages in between. Uh, when I say that, you know, we have a, say we have an 18-period practice. Each period is five minutes long. We may have six periods of a, of a certain situational scrimmage, maybe red zone, maybe um, you know, third downs and then some control down scenarios thrown in there, whatever it may be. So uh, a bigger scrimmage, I would guess Friday at this point, probably will not be 80 plays, more like 60 with a little bit of more situational football um, sprinkled in. Thanks. Did With those 80 um, reps that the quarterbacks got um, on Friday, was that pretty evenly split among them or – yeah, I, I would bet it was it well by by design, <clears throat> excuse me, by design it was split fairly evenly. You know how drives go without some drives last longer than other drives. So I couldn't give you the exact breakdown, but by design as far as how many times we were going out there and playing it, it seemed to be really even to me. Um Cooper Lega came in and, and got a series there at the end. And uh but between um those first two guys, it should have been split reps. I would imagine they're within probably 10 reps of, of each other. Uh, just following up with Ty Shaw, Coach, is there any other players who have decided to uh, also move on uh, from football? On our – well, from when, Andre? I mean, we've got kids that, you know, there's always fluctuation in our, in our, in our roster as we go through time. Who, who would you be specifically talking about? Uh, I, I guess I don't have anyone specific in mind. It's just there's any player. There's, that... there's a couple of kids that have decided to, you know, through this whole process and, um, you know, Caden Anderson is one. Caden is, I talked to him yesterday and, you know, football time was, uh, was great for him and he's moved on in life and excited about the opportunities that he's got out there in front of him. Logan Lee, you know, this young man had an unbelievable job opportunity. Um, you know, he's, he's probably making more money right now than, than I was making my first 25 years of coaching football. So great opportunity for him. Um, geez, who else? You know, Chase Nelson has uh, a medical situation um, as far as, but he's healthy. He's fine. He just, football wasn't in the cards at this point. So nothing as far as, you know, as, as, as a kid that has decided that I'm not going to play this year and I'm going to come back and play next year, or I'm not going to play this year and I'm going to go somewhere else and play. Um, moving along in life and putting themselves in a position to be uh, successful as they see They've given everything they could to Aggie Nation, those kids, and they're excited about the, the, the path that they're on, and I'm excited to watch them and continually talk to them as they move through. And I don't think I missed – did I miss anybody? That I don't, can't think of anybody. Yeah, so – but those uh, – that's it. That's the ones I can think of off the top of my head. All right, thank you. Uh, so the, there you the, go. The last question was from Julie Jag, and it was about uh, the injury status of any players and – uh, he said, as far as we have seen, after a full week and 80-play scrimmage, everyone's healthy. Everyone's all right. So a couple quick things that stood out to me. Uh, Troy Lefford Jr. is going to be going back to safety. There was some talk earlier that he'd be a linebacker. Uh, they're doing multiple fronts. Uh, it could be you know, three down linemen. They could have four down linemen. They're really trying to develop the depth at linebacker. Uh, the defense won the day at the scrimmage. Uh, they need to try to get some more explosive plays on offense. They've been working their key running backs more during the, the practices, but didn't really run them a lot during the scrimmage. Yeah, he used them extensively through the week of practice and then decided to 
tail that back, allow the other backs to get some reps in. And says that we want to play complementary football. We want to How be able to play physical that? run offense. How about that? So you're going to see a different style this fall from Utah State. Coming up next hour, who won our pick six? Who won the Preps Pick'em Contest? We'll talk to uh, uh, John Hartwell coming up at 530. Stick around for that coming up on the Full Court Press. Somebody who- I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. I don't think Jimmy Butler can single-handedly beat the Lakers four times, but his 40-point, 13-assist, 11-rebound effort last night was the kind of finals performance that we'll remember for a long time. And he did it without starters Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. Butler had to do it all. Of course, it would have been even more special if Miami goes on to win this series, which is going to be very tough. Butler had to use every ounce of energy he had with the Heat to win Game 3. Now they trail two games to one, and they still have serious injury problems. But Butler and the Heat answered all the people who were saying sweep. The Lakers made it look easy through the first two games, and now they got a fight on their hands. The Heat could use some reinforcements to make it interesting. Not that Jimmy Butler cares, just give him four guys and he's ready to play. Now we get to see just how much fight the Lakers have in them in that pivotal game four. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.